Welcome to Sketchbook Podcast, a discussion about inspiration and process with artists, creators, and designers. I'm your host, Daniel Montoya Jr. The year was 1987. Ronald Reagan was president, a gallon of gas cost 90 cents, and Platoon was the Best Picture winner at the Academy Awards. And on Monday, March 9th, 1987, U2 released their studio album, The Joshua Tree. Oh, and a young man by the name of Evan Christopher Van Doren came into this world in Gibbsboro, New Jersey. Evan, or EVD, as he is known as to his barber, is a freelance arranger, composer, designer, and educational consultant living in the greater Austin, Texas area. After graduating with honors from Butler University in Indianapolis, Indiana, Evan joined the band staff at Cedar Park High School. During his tenure, Cedar Park's marching band was named a UIL Texas State Marching Champion three times, Wow! as well as a BOA Grand National Finalist twice. Evan has been involved in the drum corps community since 2001, marching in the Lehigh Valley Knights from 2001 to 2003, and the Carolina Crown from 2004 to 2008, concluding his DCI experience as drum major in 2008. Since then, he has served on the faculties of the Blue Stars Drum and Bugle Corps, the Madison Scouts Drum and Bugle Corps, and the Carolina Crown Drum and Bugle Corps. This year, 2019, he was named the Brass Arranger for the Santa Clara Vanguard Drum and Bugle Corps. Additionally, Evan enjoys working as a leadership facilitator for Sassy Leadership based out of Leander, Texas. Currently, he lives in Cedar Park, Texas with his wife, Catherine, and their dog, Cooper. Evan, on a scale of the Dallas Cowboys winning the Super Bowl to the Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl, how excited are you to be the first guest on this podcast? Uh, clearly more towards the Eagles. Clearly. Yes, and, and unlike Dallas Cowboy fans, you can remember what it's like to celebrate a Super Bowl championship. Yes. I do. It's very present in my mind because it was just a year or two ago, whereas most of my Dallas Cowboys friends weren't alive. I don't think they, many of them weren't alive. Some of them weren't alive. Yeah. yeah. It's like being an Aggie fan last time they won something. <laughs> Before World War II, I believe. Now, Evan, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the heir to the Van Doren Reeds empire, correct? I wish I could say that that's oh. true, but that is not the case. No. Oh, my, my, seems my notes are incorrect. I'm going to, <laughs> I'll be uh, going after the research team on that one. Um, so before we get into the nitty gritty, for the folks listening to us at home, in their cars, guarding bathrooms during standardized tests, I would like you to describe in excruciating detail what shoes you are wearing. In my, the shoes that I'm wearing. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, see, see. You, uh, what kind of podcast do you think this would I be? Am we well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe them very poorly by your standards, mm -hmm. I'm sure. I am wearing Adidas shoes. That's nice. The three stripes. They are, there, there are three stripes. They mm -hmm. have like a brown sole and they're white leather. Yeah, um, and I don't know what, the sty what style you would say that they are. They have two blue stripes and a red stripe. Ah, white okay. shoelaces. Oh. And that is sort of the degree to which I can describe the, <laughs> the shape and contour. Would you call it a low top or a mid top? I would top? call it a low top. I would oh. call it a low top. Yeah. Yes. Is it a special, a samba? For, for leading the witness here. Probably more like a samba. Oh. More okay. like a samba. Yeah. So it's got a gum rubber outsole, perhaps? Yes. That's exactly there what it is. There it uh, is. Like the words a, I'm a EVA for. midsole, like your standard rubber yes. white. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. That's okay. 
that's that's very uh, and it works with the outfit you're wearing. Evan is wearing a very smart button down uh, short sleeve <laughs> shirt, neatly pressed, especially around the neck area. It's navy blue with white dots everywhere. Yes, his hair. Um, for anyone listening who remembers Evan's hair as he's a band director, is very nicely combed and quaffed. His barber is very proud of him today. <laughs> yeah, so good for you, Evan. Now, Evan, let's talk about Disney. Walt oh, Disney, Walter Elias Disney. According to my records, you have been to Walt Disney World or Land 972 times. Like, wow, wow. That's approximately. Approximately. Correct, yes. Do you love the Dole Whip that much, or, or is it something else? Maybe the desire to finally stay in the suite atop Cinderella's Castle. Both of those things are really awesome. Not, oh, but although I can only speak to one firsthand. The Cinderella's um, Castle? Obviously, yes. Of course, Obviously, yeah. no. <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, it's, it's God, I, we, I, my family just loves Disney. I mean, it's, it's, and, uh, you know, we grew up a lot going there, you know, it was one of those things where, uh, in the early nineties, um, you know, after my sister was born, my parents were looking for some way for us to routinely vacation somewhere that made sense. That was of a high value and all that. And Disney came out with this thing called the Disney vacation club at that time. Um, which was a great deal. It was like, um, it was like, it was a timeshare essentially. Right. So, um, you'd buy points and, uh, you know, you would, you would allow you to go every single year, but at that time they were also giving you like park tickets. They were like, it was like free meals. It was like an insane value. Mm -hmm. Now it's, you know, everyone knows about it. So it's, it's not quite as good of a value and it's a lot more expensive. But at the time it was a really easy way for us to call. We would all just kind of pile in the car. We lived in New Jersey at the time. So we would drive, you know, drive down I-95, you know, we would, you know, pack PB and J's, you know, it would, it would, it, we did the whole thing for as cheap as possible and we would just go every single year. So as a result, we kind of like grew up there. We have just a lot of like really good family memories that are associated with that. And, um, you know, so every time we go back or I go back, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, you, all those memories come flooding back. And then if you go with, with people who haven't been before or sort of creating their own beginning of that mm -hmm. family memory, that's, that's always really special too. So, so you're, you're, you're describing that you're like a hipster to the Disney vacation club. OG, if you will. Right. You might say, yes, your, your beer, your membership card is literally like laminated paper. And everyone yes, that's, else is. that's exactly right. Wow. Wow. Yes. Now quick. Tell me, what does the monorail message say in Spanish? Go. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Oh my God, you did it! That's yeah, fantastic. See? I had to, I had to research that. I don't know if the dialect is exactly. Uh, right, but... You know what's interesting is uh, manténgase, gase. That one, that one's tough. That one's tough manténganse. to say. Um, manténgase. Because the accent, manténgase. Yeah. yeah, that guy. That's is it the same one for the last like thirty years? I or don't know. It's the same. It seems like it's the same recording to me. I don't know. Yeah. Did you know what yesterday was? That's the anniversary of Walt Disney World opening, October 1st. I did know that, yes. Well, I didn't, I, I did I, know happy that. Happy belated you know Disney that? World Day. Yeah, it's, it, it's a great day. Now, now <laughs> mentioned in your bio, and you talked about it earlier, you were born in New Jersey. Yes. And yet, you root for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm very confused as to okay, that. Why are you rooting for the J-E-T-S, <laughs> Jets, Jets, Jets? Because the Eagles were close. So, okay, so listen, geography, right? Sure, so, I'm in <laughs> Texas. Remember, remember yeah, we're in Austin We're in Texas, right now. so <laughs> like everything is a million miles away from itself, <laughs> yeah, right? right? But in the Northeast, everything's a lot closer. So sure. I lived in southern New Jersey. Okay. It was really a suburb of, of Philadelphia, though. Really? Like, even though there was a state border there, uh -huh. like it was still congregated around. Kind of uh -huh. like how St. Louis is, like there's a lot, there's... There's communities on either it. side yeah. of the state lines there. Mm. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's pretty much why. My grandfather um, was a huge Eagles fan. Okay. So we, that was sort of like our thing. And, 
you know, mm-hmm. um, and no one in my immediate family was as into it as I am, but that was something that I really connected with. And you, all of yes. my friends that I grew up with at the time around there were Eagles fans. So that was sort of what I did. And the Jets are too, much further north. The Giants okay. much further north. I mean, it's it, well, a couple of Well, they share a stadium with, the, with the, the Giants, right? Right. The Jets, the so Jets they've got to be close to Manhattan. Lands. So Right, exactly. Huh. Right. Yeah, so, I don't yeah, understand. I don't understand Northeastern geography. Really, any other geography than Texas. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know this, but I love the state of Texas. It's I am a, aware of that. I also love the state of Texas. Do you? I well, love you, everything you, you about it here. except for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, man. I, I agree. I'm, I'm a, a self-proclaimed Cowboys hater. I'm yes. one of those. Um, Why I do did, you think I agreed to do this podcast in the first place? Because we're going to talk bad about the Cowboys. <laughs> you know what? They lost this weekend. They did. Um, God, uh, best so. weekend ever. <laughs> uh, the, the Dem boys lost to Houdat um, yes. to slightly grating chants by their fans. But, yes. you know, I'll, hey, anytime the Cowboys lose is a it's good a day in this house. It's a great weekend. Um, yes. The Aggies barely won. So I'll, that's kind of like a loss to me. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's get serious now. No. Okay. Really. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> F- feel free to choose which adjective or adjectives you wish to answer with this next question. How excited, nervous, thrilled, anxious, terrified, humbled, blessed are you to be the brass arranger for the Vanguard of Santa Clara? Probably most of those things. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's a huge honor. Um, you know, it's there's there's a certain gravity to having that. Uh, opportunity that I certainly don't take lightly, you know, it, and I, 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 I'm, I'm mostly really excited, you know, obviously a little nervous as comes with any big opportunity. Um, you know, I, at its core, I just want to do right by the people who are putting their trust in me, you know, mm-hmm. like there's adults and, and students who are relying on me to create something that's special, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I just want to, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can do to, to deliver that. I will say that, you know, it, it's been about a month since it's been announced and maybe six weeks since I've been sort of entertaining and talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel an incredible amount of support from the design team and the teaching staffs and, 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 and even many of the members who I've spoken with already. It's, it's been, it's been really, really cool. Um, to feel that support, it makes me feel more confident about, you know, me doing my best work. Um, but it is on some level terrifying. (laughs) And I think anyone who would take on an opportunity like this with at at any experience level, um, to say that they were not at least a little bit nervous or scared about it would just be lying (laughs) quite, quite frankly, for sure, (laughs) for sure. Now, can you describe what it was like to read that email or get that phone call? And it's like, Hey, I'm Michael Gaines. I've won every activity world that they can ever be named. And I want you to come work for the Vanguard. Like, I don't know that that's how it went, but like what, what went through your mind immediately? Like, did you flush red? Did you vomit instantly? Like, what was that like? Uh, I think I did a lap around my house after I took the phone. <laughs> I, you know, to be honest, I just, I just, I was honestly, I wasn't expecting the, that opportunity at mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you know, I got a phone call from Scott Coe to the program coordinator who, who, he, to who himself has won DCI multiple times many, with the, the Cavaliers and many, then recently with the Vanguard. Yes. Um, and you know, just there are, there are, there are a lot of questions initially, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's the, you know, for anybody when they're approached with an opportunity, yeah. there's the why, you know, why me, <laughs> why, <laughs> why, you <me>? know, <laughs> why, why do you, you know, um, so I had a lot of those kind of questions, um, but I really enjoyed talking to Scott early mm-hmm. on about all those things and, you know, had good conversations with each of the members of the design team. And, you know, over the course of all those conversations, I came to understand why, you know, I, you know, the skills that I bring to the table, mm-hmm. um, 
why that is really, I think, is a good fit for that team of people and sure. what they're trying to create. So, um, but initially, I had all those questions of like, so what, like, what, like, why? I mean, the reality is there's a lot more experienced people out there than me. So, right, right. So, yeah. why, so than, why? Than a lot of us you know? out there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, but, um, but no, that was that was kind of my initial my initial reaction. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Now, now in the announcement, it, it seems like it's and many people have hashtag some variation of uh, Santa Clara Van Doren. But you get to come <laughs> to the drum corps not only with your father but your wife, um, Catherine Van Doren. So yes. that's got to be somewhat of a security blanket to have your father and your wife there teaching, consulting, working with you on that. Like that's an experience. I don't think anybody else in the activity gets to have. Well, I, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm really fortunate, you know, because, well, first of all, I know that, you know, on some level, my dad and my wife are going to, are going to, on some level, be looking out for me as their family member. Sure. <laughs> so there's, there's a, so there's that comfort level. Yes. But, but more importantly than that, I mean, my dad's a DCI hall of famer. Correct. And my wife is just a, badass teacher. We can say that on a podcast. She is really, she is really, really, really good at what she does. Um, so, you know, as the arranger, I feel a a great sense of comfort that they're going to be contributing Mm -hmm. to the performance level of the brass section. Um, because to be honest, there's not a lot of people out there that are better than either of them, in my opinion. So, so that, that is the thing, (laughs) that's the thing I'm the most excited about, you know, and um, with with their being involved, just because they're you know, Katie is an unbelievable teacher. Correct, so. correct. Yeah, and and your wife and I was going to mention. I'm glad that you did. She's she came up through Cedar Park High School, um, very uh, very great high school in the not only the state but the nation. Went to North Texas, March Carolina Crown. Now at Vandergriff High School in Leander ISD, which is they've won state marching contests. They've yeah. placed at finals just about everywhere. They're going to Grant National. So you're right. It, she's made her own mark as a teacher. Your father is one of the most well-known names in drum corps, so um, they would have got these jobs without you, basically. <laughs> I, I would say, I would say so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those that are listening at home, right? You you make your living as an arranger, as your bio says. You make your living doing so much. Your hobby is having hobbies, right? Or your job is having jobs. <laughs> My hobby is having hobbies. Um, and you've written for high schools. You've you've worked with drum corps. You've taught. You've you've drum major drum corps. And now this is an entirely different thing, like. What is your mindset for those of us that are young, that are just marching drum corps, that are teaching it, that want to be you when they grow up? What is your mindset going into this year, and how is it different than if you were going in to tune F-sharp chords or to work on fingerings or <laughs> teach conducting? Going into um, to, this, to this, the Vanguard, this year with Vanguard specifically. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I am going to make a really strong effort to do is just simply to try to stay focused on my role. Mm-hmm. You know what my role is, because um, the Vanguard is a great organization. They've done, and they do a great job of bringing the best and brightest people um, to do the things that they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and my role as a ranger is principally to create an incredible product and to try to help guide that product and the sound of the ensemble overall to being what it needs to be by the end, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, and I think there's probably some intersecting layers within that, you know, certainly because of my experience as a teacher, I'm going to be helping influence and guide mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and certainly teach at different times, you know, f- with the brass being my primary area. Correct. Um, 
but we have great people to do that. You know, with 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 Mark, um, the brass caption head. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so impressed by him already, and I didn't know him. He right. works with your brother. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, Mark Nichols is the brass caption head of the Vanguard, and he's been at Brazoswood High School in Clute, Texas, assistant band director. Yes, working with my brother Martin Montoya, band director, Brazoswood High School. So continue. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm so impressed with him. You know, Katie's going to be super helpful. My dad as well. You know, we've mm-hmm. got uh, the the new athletic bands director or one of the directors mm-hmm. at the University of North Texas. Is Dan Cook, yep. who, uh, little known fact, I marched with back in the day at the Carolina Crown. That that has got to be wild. We were we were both, you know, reasonably okay trumpet players. Ah, so you <laughs> at played that trumpet. Time. <laughs> so so having him connected is going to be integral. What, and what we, part did you play when you marched? Uh, I got to play all three parts uh, at once. Oh my at, God. Not at once. They, uh, they created a new part years. for you, yeah. and then eventually the drum corps. Um, performed beyond my skill level, <laughs> and they took me and put me on the podium. That's what they do, right? Where, oh, well, <laughs> we don't want to kick them out. We've got to put them somewhere. And thank God they did, for their, <laughs> case, for their sake. Um, uh, you know, fun fact about Dan is I knew him when he student taught at Harrison High School oh, really? way back in the day. That's how I first met him because I was writing for them, and he was a, a, a nice, quirky one student teacher and he's like very excited about band so yeah he's awesome there go. so so there's there's a lot of great people and that's just the brass section you know there's yeah. so there's so many people who do great work that you know my, my focus is going to be you know just to try to focus on my role mm-hmm. um and influence the, to the best that i can you know ultimately i you know when, when I, as i try to like step back and and think overall mm-hmm. like like I kind of said initially, it's 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 trying to do right by the people that are there, you know, both adults and maybe more importantly, you know, the students. Yeah, know? for sure. They commit a lot, <laughs> a lot. I mean, financially and yep. time wise, and mm-hmm. it's a huge, huge commitment that they're making. It really um, is. Where they could be going anywhere else, you to know. The beach. So, yes. <laughs> right. They're already in California. Why might as well just so, go to the beach? So <laughs> I I I, fr- I feel a real sense of responsibility to 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 create something great both in terms of product and also experience. Yeah, and, and you were talking about some of the other strengths of that organization. I don't know if anybody who knows Drum Corps knows this, but Vanguard has a really good drum line. Like, they, like really good. You <laughs> should really five, look into them. Five of six, uh, you know, uh, yeah. percussion trophies could or you, whatever Could you say they're the uh, percussion version of the Carolina Crown brass line? Uh, at, at least. Yeah, I mean, I how, how many at, brass at captions has the Vanguard one as of late? I mean, sorry, Carolina Crown. Boy, the, ooh. Boy, that's Crowd, awful. The, Some, send, think, your, send your angry was, letters to me. Uh, I think it was seven of the last 11 years or something like that is what it was. The first one was 2009. The first Jim Op from Crown was 2009. It's, a, it's amazing to me that that was the first one. That was the first one. <laughs> yeah. 2009. Wow. So, so, and I think, yeah, I think over the course of 11 years, they've not won four of the times. So that's what it was. Yeah. Wow. And so it's like uh, the three things you can depend on in drum corps is Crown, Winning brass, Vanguard winning percussion, and the Blue Devils winning, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're pretty good. But you know what? I think they are. They um, are. They insider secret. Have you heard it here first. Out. <laughs> yeah. Th- here's this is the kind of info you'll get on this podcast that no one else will tell you. Nobody. The Blue Devils are good. Nobody. Yeah. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. Hot take. Yeah. So, so working with your your wife, working with your dad, it's you, and you haven't experienced this yet. But I wonder if it's going to be like in the middle of the night, you roll over and, and Katie's going over the score, cursing your name because it's like, <laughs> Evan, get up and change this. Evan, why did you do this? Evan, B flat was right there. Why didn't you do that, Evan? <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get lots of feedback in all kinds of ways <laughs> that I could not even begin to anticipate today. So. Lots of feedback. Yes, that's the best way to put it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but hey, you'll have a lot of fun, right? Yeah, it's you know, I mean, why why do we do this? 
anyway, it, you know, yeah. it's supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed you know, to be. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> That's what they tell you. All right, so let's say that you've had, let's go to marching band. Let's not be specific to the okay. Vanguard because, uh, you know, top secret, all that other stuff, non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> let's say you've had design meetings and discussions, whatever, let's pick a program, whatever one you want to call it. The, the Philadelphia Eagle High School Marching Band, all right? Right. The theme, the concept, the design has been decided. You are sitting down and going to arrange, let's pick a song you don't know, The Promise of Living by Aaron <laughs> Copeland. I don't know why that popped in my head. All right, take us through that process. Go. To arrange for a high school marching band? Let's that say, piece? Yeah, that you're going to arrange that particular piece. What do you do? Oh, How do you do it? Lord. Uh, let's let's well, talk about it. There's a lot. There um, is. Uh, uh, there's, I mean, well, and, and probably if you sat... 10 good arrangers in a room and asking this question, they'd probably all have a different way. Of Correct. Well, I, and, luckily and no, I've got you here. So. <laughs> and, and, and no way of doing it, I would say is wrong. You know, Agreed. I would say it's, oh, just no, I, every, yeah, it's no. different, you know, I mean, there are um, wrong ways, but <laughs> no, way. you know, decisions, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. um, so you're kind of coming at this from two, two polarized areas. There's the creative side, right. Of like trying to do something that's fresh and new and you know fits with the concept and and you know that that kind of stuff while also closely married to the idea of they have to play this well mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. um and you know the, what a high school band can do is really it, it's it's i think it's more limiting than a lot of times people believe than it actually is you mm -hmm. know there's very few if not, maybe none high school marching bands that can really do anything, you know, you have your Vandegrifts right. and your Hebrons and your, those flower mounds and those people where they're enormous and they're, they, you know, they have just a, a great, you know, middle school, high school beginning to end. They've got a zillion kids yep. um, and also really great teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and even those ensembles have their limitations, right? True. So, yeah. so, um, so it's a constant tug and pull for me between those, those two things. Like how do I create something that's well-paced and fits with the concept and is effective and has fresh moments and all of that. Um, and, you know, and, and, and kind of checks the boxes competitively that you're trying to check, you know, before whatever, um, whether it's UIL or Pans of America or a different state or whatever, mm -hmm. um, while at the same time doing that in a way that is functional and, you know, you're in good keys and is not too difficult mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, there's not too many parts and, and yeah. all, all of that kind of stuff. So that, so I guess that would be sort of a bird's eye view of like, the, this is the, I guess the thoughts that I have when I'm sitting down and just mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure it out, you know, yeah. you know, if I was going to just like, okay, so what's like step number one, sure. step like step number one is like for me going through and figuring out just a basic outline of pacing, you know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like where, like, how am I, if I was going to take this piece and I'm going to cut it up into a marching band and I have this much time, mm -hmm. um, to do this idea, you know, what, what's the objective? Is this the beginning? Is it an intro where I've got like a minute, minute 15, where we're going to go from soft to loud mm -hmm. and, and big, yeah, right. is this an, is this an opener where I'm going to have to have some ups and downs and, and, and kind of, you know, mm -hmm. different variety of feel through all that. Um, is there connecting tissue from it to what happens before it or mm -hmm. to after it? How does that factor in? So you kind of create that framework or what, what is it? So I think about, um, what is the star Wars, uh, the graph in star Wars about, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? How, what do they, how do what is that? Is it the golden ratio or something like they that? Talk about, they put the, all the movies and you see where the, the climax is, right. and the, the divots and yeah. Right. So, so there, there are those rules about marching band to me as yeah. well with, yeah. with, you know, but, but at the same time, like there are, you try to find ways to not do that. 
right. in a way that also still works, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but you know, there's those same kind of rules. So you figure that out. And then a lot of times I, you know, I will put the music like that. I'll start to just kind of take what, when I figure that out, mm-hmm. take the music that's there and just get it into the computer. Okay. Um, and what, like and what, on uh, some level, what notation program a finale finale finale. Oh gosh, Evan, that's a, finale. that's a, that's a hot take right there. <laughs> I use finale. So, um, and then, you know, once I have kind of those building block pieces in there, um, and it's rough, like a really, really rough blocked out basic idea, then you start messing around with, you know, okay, so key signature. Okay. So, so, you <laughs> yeah. know, that, I mean, that's been a thought from the beginning, yeah. but you know, key signature, where's the melody going to lie the mm-hmm. best. And then, you know, how much time, am, you know, from a pacing standpoint, is this going to build to an arrival and how am I going to build that and what, you know. Um, soloist and just all kind of, and then you just kind of dropping things in the right places and you right. know, kind of chipping it away, chipping away at the block until hopefully you have something good in the end. <laughs> well, when you're, if you're working with a Copeland piece, I mean, you've got a lot of good. Right. Right? If, if, if they give you the copyright. Well, that's a, that's a whole, you know what? That's, I wasn't on my list of questions, but Evan, <laughs> what do you think about copyright these days? Now I'm not asking <laughs> what do we think about, should we be able to use music for free? Cause that's, that's, I don't think anybody as a teacher no. or ranger, we're not saying we want to use music for free. And this isn't a discussion about how we obtain copyright. That's a whole nother thing. But we have encountered in the past, the, the Bernstein organ, uh, estate, Sometimes they were declining works. And now Copeland, the estate's being real fishy about whether they're approving works that we've been using forever. They are. I think to me, the great the greatest crime about that is we cannot expose some of these kids to these works. And it's like, come on. I, yes, somebody could write an original work that sounds like The Promise of Living, but nothing's going to be playing The Promise of Living as it is. That, that seems like a real a big injustice and goes against what I imagine, without speaking for them, what Copeland and Bernstein might actually feel about that kind of thing. There's already a struggle in marching band um, to connect, from a music education standpoint, the the specific, you know, like the, just the specific music side of music education to the activity of, of marching. You know, there's so many other things about it, which are great, mm-hmm. but not the music part of music education and exposure to uh, repertoire and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of people would probably find when they reflect on, especially if it's somebody who participated in a high school marching band that is now not in the music world, mm-hmm. and they reflect back on their marching band experience, if they know any classical music at all whatsoever, it probably is something that they experienced performing in their marching band. Yeah. Probably. You and know? Looney Tunes. And Looney Tunes. If you're a certain Right. Age. And Looney Tunes. Or if Looney you were in the Senior Park Marching Band, it was both. Both. Yeah, there you're you go. You're welcome. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you for that, Evan. I never knew about those pieces. Uh, um, you know, so I, I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, to me, you know, I understand that there's, there's a certain sense of wanting to protect the integrity of the music. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, certainly I, I, I can respect that perspective. For sure. You know, um, but at the same time, you know, it's a shame that we that, that we're limited in terms of what we can expose students to. You know, uh, to me, it's a great tool that I want to use to its fullest extent. And uh, you know, I just I to be I just I, you know when we run into roadblocks like that with especially some of the greatest pieces of music of all time, mm-hmm. I just personally feel disappointed Correct. that I, I'm not going to be able to be part of a a, a team that's trying to expose a new generation to mm-hmm. this great, great literature. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to probably misuse the word irony, but it's ironic 
that the organization that's responsible for us adding so many years to the ability to use a piece of music because of public domain is responsible for the uh, theme parks that you love so much. <laughs> um, it's that Disney rule where yes. it's uh, 75 years after death or... Yes. Um, because for those who don't know, shorthand version, the public Mickey Mouse was going to become public domain. Yes. But then Disney, I don't know how they did it. I guess they have money figured out. And so it's 75 years now after death, after 1935, I believe. So, um, yeah, so that's not the case with the Copeland organization. He passed away in 1999. But some of these pieces stayed in copyright a lot longer because of Walter Elias Disney. That's true. And, you know, I don't know that I necessarily have that I take issue with, you know, people wanting to maintain copyright, you know, Correct. like that. Yeah. I, I get it. They've mm -hmm. done incredible work um, that should be remembered forever. Yeah. And to some degree, they should continue to make money on that work because that's their, yeah. their work. For sure. Um, but at the same time, I guess for me, it's more about just when you don't let, when you don't let people Right. Use it for educational purposes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That that's where I'm. I just I feel disappointed at the lost opportunity. Agreed. And I think part of the issue is with my experience is these big publishing houses. They they just think of marching band as is like nothing, right? And so they just have this blanket. Well, we don't want Promises Living to be in a beer commercial, so we're going to decline copyright. And we're like, well, we we just want to use it in marching band. Well, sorry. Um, or or conversely, when like the Beatles organization or Pink Floyd or the Who, they charge astronomical mechanical sync rights because to them a dvd for a marching band is the same as doing a commercial they want the same amount of money right. there's no differentiate they don't differentiate between the two um so i think there's that element of they don't really understand what we do or what we're trying to do and really how little money <laughs> they can right, make from marching right. band. well here's but i mean here's the good news of all that it is I, it seems to me and we may have a we may both have a <laughs> um a kind of a sideways perspective on this just because <laughs> of the world that we live right, in. Right, right. But it seems to me that just the general sense about copyright and what it is and um, how important it is and just, just being aware of it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it seems to be growing. You know, yeah. like people seem to be more aware of it. And my hope is that at some point, you know, it'll reach those people who are, are that maybe have the misunderstanding right. that you were just describing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we would start to see some change such that educationally we can do more for kids, yeah. you know, without as many roadblocks while still doing right by the copyright holders. Absolutely. It, it, you know, copyright law is very archaic. Who, when they wrote those laws, they didn't know about the internet. We didn't know about the internet, right? They didn't know about... <laughs> MP3s and DVDs and or EVDs, if you will. Oh, that's where they got it from. I see. Wow. I see what you did that, there. Wow. Hot take number two or three, man. This is. This is we should rename this takes. podcast Hot Take. Hot Take. Evan. <laughs> all right. So now these are the, we get to the questions that I'd like to ask everybody. Okay. <clears throat> now, um, unlike the presidential debates, I don't think you've gotten these questions beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, what inspires you? Oh, well, that's such a. It's such an open-ended question. It is. You, really a lot, can, you can go anywhere. There's a lot of things. I'll tell you something that inspires me a lot. Underdog stories. <laughs> hmm. Underdog yeah. stories. I, if only there was like a sports example you could give us. <laughs> I mean, that's why, to be honest, that's why my favorite time of year sports-wise is the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, yes. I you have experience that. with that. Yeah. I love that. Because, it, you know, because you see 
I guess if I were to go even more to its core, I love seeing people who care about what they're doing mm-hmm. accomplish their goals, yeah. reach their dreams. And you, you, you see that when people win, win championships or, you know, uh, Olympians, you mm-hmm. know, participate in the Olympics and, sure. you know, sure. and it means different things for different people. Sometimes it's something like winning a gold medal at the Olympics. And right. sometimes it's something that's not that, or sometimes it's just literally doing a thing or overcoming an obstacle or right, wh- right. whatever that mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. um, that is inspiring to me like that that is that that i get like i get goosebumps when i think about that idea yeah that 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 is probably the thing that like that gets to me at my core Mm -hmm. you know more than probably almost anything else were you at butler when they went to the the championship (laughs) two years in a row right it was two years in a row and it was the two years after i graduated oh so you were already down here i was already i was already down here in the greater austin area your hair was spiky back then. my hair was spiky short and spiky you didn't have the beard (laughs) and uh and uh yeah funny story about that (laughs) so Obviously, I was pissed that I wasn't there. Like I, like I wanted, like I wanted to be there be so bad. Um, and I think that the first year of the championship, I think, was in Indianapolis, where I went oh, to college. Right. So I was like, I was just right. I was right yeah. there. Um, but I was so excited. And it was my first year teaching yeah. down here. And we had some kind of event of on the championship night, as, obvious, you do. as all band directors do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I was trying to pay attention to my phone and do that and I got home and it was such a close game where that was the, was that the they, Duke it, was, game? it was against Duke. Oh, they took him God. to the wire. Yeah. Gordon Hayward half court shot almost went in mm. at the buzzer. And I was, I, I ran, I ran home as fast as I could oh turn the TV on, watch the last minute of the game. Oh. Stand, exactly. How you'd imagine standing up, yeah. shouting at the screen, all yeah. of those things. And just like, uh, heart wrenching. If only you were there, Evan, if only I was, you there. might've been <laughs> the tipping point. Well, and then inexplicably, the next year they go back. Uh, they did. And you know, this time I wasn't going to miss the game. Like I was, I, I was, oh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't go there because tickets are what, like a zillion yeah. dollars. Where was it that year? Do you remember? It was in Houston. Oh my gosh. So in t- a close, an close arms reach, enough, right? yes. but I, but, but I couldn't, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I couldn't, have, I was you couldn't know, 22. Yeah. I couldn't afford tickets. Yeah. So you had just bought a brand new car for your mom. <laughs> you bought a house. Just like so, athletes do. Yeah. So, but I wasn't going to miss the game, at least on TV. Sure. So like I had a bunch of people over Thanks to my invite. tiny apartment. Well, we oh, weren't, well. we weren't, we weren't friends. Oh, yet. Well, I didn't want to be my friend, Evan. I don't think it I should have called it this. The other way around. Will you be my friend? Oh, Conan has a podcast called <laughs> Will You Be My Friend. That's why we didn't call it that. I had all these people over and they were playing UConn. I was like, all right, it's not even Duke. Where it's okay. <laughs> like, we're going to be, we're going to do this. We couldn't do it last year. We're going to do it this year. And that, and someone may correct me on this, but I believe it is the statistically worst performance <laughs> By an NCAA oh, college team of God. any sport, of any sport, of any gender, oh my! God. In a championship game, even the even the women's basketball playing Butler, UConn women's, women's team, but the team scored three field goals, like three what? shots from the field, three. Wait, Butler? I don't remember. in the first half. Oh, in the I was like, oh my! In the first, they half. got their butt. Kicked. It was it was bad. I mean, and I, and I had all these friends over, oh and I was God. all set up, and no one else cared about this game except for they me. They cared about you, but though. great friends. They cared about me. They came yeah. over to support me watching the team, mm-hmm. and it was just the most debilitating, mm. dejecting. Oh my God! All, I mean, it was a terrible championship game. Wow. I haven't been back since. Although I do love my Butler Bulldogs. You, you, yeah. Now I'm surprised you're not a Boston Celtics fan now because that head coach well, is with Boston. Yes, Brad Stevens Brad, is Bradley awesome. Stevens, and another young-looking gentleman such as yourself, Evan. What is in the water in Indianapolis? Indiana? We may never know. We may, yeah. But I do. To to be fair, uh, while I, you know, I don't know that I would root for any 
NBA teams specifically. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have an allegiance to an sure. NBA team like I do the NFL. Right, right. Um, but I do love me some Brad Stevens. He's I a mean, good guy. He is. He's a good coach. He is one. I think he's. I mean, if he if he, if he's not considered one of the greatest coaches of all time, I think he's soon to be. He's got a long career ahead of him. He he very well could be like the Coach K of the NBA. Yes. Um, and what, or and, Pop and, or somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah Pop. Yeah, Popovich. And yeah. Um, I'm very. I'm, I'm always very upset with you, but for this particular reason, <laughs> you didn't mention that we are in Spurs country. Since we are Spurs, five time NBA champion. Absolutely. No other basketball team in this state. I mean, you you add the Rockets and Mavericks championships together, and still doesn't even equal what uh, the Spurs have won. But anyway. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I would say I would say when it comes to Texas NBA teams, yes. if I was going to root for one of them, you will. It would be the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs. That's Absolutely. what. This, thank you. This Low, is Spurs. Spurs. Low Spurs. Low Spurs. You Spurs know what? Go. You're Spanish. From being from New Jersey, <laughs> impeccable. Like I, if I close my eyes, I'm talking to a, a Mexicano for sure. Evan, <laughs> what is your most prized possession? My most prized possession. Yes. Oh my lord. I Your mean, Lord? I would, wow, okay. I would <laughs> possession. I mean, I mean, I love my family, but I wouldn't say I would possess them. You know, like right. that's not a possession. No, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> At least not in this day and age. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I would say, I mean, I'm not, there's nothing. I don't know. There's anything that I like, like God forbid my house caught on fire. I was going to say that like, if, if, if forbid, Katie grabbed Cooper, what do you grab? When you're running out of the house, I, mean, boy, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm really trying to think right now. I mean, like I, 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 there's nothing, there's no material thing that mm. I have that, you know, is more important than, you know, the, the, the things that I don't own, sure. but I cherish in my life, right. you know, like, like my dog and mm-hmm. my family and yeah. the relationships that I have with people. And of course. Like, so I don't know. Like, I don't know that I have a good answer okay. for that That's question. I, I will say this. I use my AirPods a lot, <laughs> like a lot. I resisted. I resisted buying those things for years. That is the most millennial thing to say. Lo- I, I know. I know. My so AirPods. I, I would lose them, like, and I, I bought them, like maybe I, I bought like like a cheap Bluetooth headset, yes. and I enjoyed like the ability to talk without my, you know, when you, of course, you, we spend yes. a lot of time on the phone with we clients do. and different yes. people, whatever, All you know. Um, Text messaging is so good, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but, but I use those things. I mean, they, yeah. they like, I wear the battery like almost every day, at least once. Good for you. Like, good for you. So well, uh, I guess okay. that's a well-used. All right. That's a, a well-used possession. Thing. Yes. Uh, you know. I suppose because <laughs> when, when, when my wife and I, we talk about what would happen if there's a fire, obviously it's my wife, my daughter, our dog. And if it's all covered, then I'm like, one of us has to grab my auxiliary hard drive because that has everything. And right. you know, it's the size of a credit well, card. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. You I was going to grab something like, like laptop. but, but it's all, I mean, it's all backed up. It's all. Oh, you're in the, cl- you're one of the cloud guys. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, mm. I've, it's backed up like three or four different yeah, ways. That's, that's what you got to do it, man. Yeah. Google drive, Dropbox and Dro- an external yeah, Dropbox, yeah. something ho- like a hard drive in the house. Um, do you have one in a, time, a fire resistant safe? That, in your I, house? that I, I don't either. But <laughs> we should, speaking of, but then there's another one. That. There's another one that I did um, called Backblaze. Have you heard of this? I have not. It's just another, like a, like an offsite, oh like in addition to Dropbox. Yeah. Like it's just another backup. In the Cayman Islands. Well, where, maybe. Where people, we may people, never know. I, I like to imagine it as what is in the second, the, the second Star Wars where they're up in the, with Lando and Cloud City. Thank you. In Cloud City. How I like to you. imagine that that's where, what the cloud looks like. Oh. Yeah. That's George just, that's Lucas. just, well, that's George just what it is, is a in my mind. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, it very well could be. I've never been up that high. We may never know. We may never know. <laughs> and the moon landing was fake. So, um, <laughs> 
Now, if you allow me, Evan, I want to ask a question that may be a little personal, and you can decide not to answer. That's and fine. If you decide, we'll, we'll edit it out. You took what I understand was a monumental trip last summer, I believe, or last spring, or in the most in the last few years to uh, to to Israel. Israel. Yes. yes, that was actually the last. Uh, oh man, is it just this past January? That, I think that so. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. just this past January. Because one of one of our yeah. colleagues most recently went this spring. She went, I yes. believe. So, um, could you talk a little bit about it as comfortable yeah. as you might? Like yeah, what, absolutely. What, what yeah. it meant to you, or wh- why you went, or what was it like? Or hey, I'm going to Israel. It's like holy smokes. Yeah. So, first of all, for I mean, it's so it's through this program called Birthright. So. Okay. Um, the state government of Israel, um, you know, after the Holocaust, um, with so many Jews dying, you mm-hmm. know, and finally having a place where Jews can live and be safe together, sure. you know, for the first time in however many thousand years, um, it, the, the, there was there's a sense of trying to, um, you know, keep people connected mm-hmm. to their Jewish, not necessarily even religious faith, but just identity culturally, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just as much as the religious aspects for of sure. it. Um, so they started this program and it's, it's mostly, and I'm probably going to say something wrong here, but I, I believe that it's mostly funded. It's p- partially subsidized through the state government of Israel. Okay. There's a lot of private donations that fund this as well. And essentially it's a free experience trip for anyone of Jewish heritage or descent, mm-hmm. um, between the ages of 18 to what is actually, it used to be, I think, 26 or 27. Now it's 32. So you had to, to take it. <laughs> so I had to take it. Yeah. Because um, I'm right there. Um, to to come back, um, to come back, to go to Israel. Right. Um, at, to kind of experience, you know, a variety of different things about Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, you know, just to have that experience as a part of their identity to mm-hmm. at least be able to say they've been there. They know what it is. They've connected with people. And the trip, the trip was really incredible. You know, I felt a little, ang- I, you know, I'm Jewish You know, I would consider myself a religious Jewish person, though I am pretty reformed and mm-hmm. not very, not super observant, you okay. know, as you might, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I might have a cheeseburger on Rosh Hashanah. Now it's Jewish. <laughs> I hol- you know, it's like, there's like, there's just, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things that I just don't observe for, for sure. better or worse or whatever, Correct. but I yeah. would consider myself a religious Jew. Um, so I was a little anxious going mm-hmm. on this trip, you know, right. just, you know, wondering like, so what's everyone else going to be like? And you know, <laughs> like, am I going to be made to feel ashamed that right. I'm not? Cause you, you know, there's in, in all religions, there's of this course. element of like, yeah. you know, am I, am I, am I going to made be made to feel guilty about not doing or doing or, mm-hmm. or any of any of those dynamics that just as exist. a Catholic, I understand guilt. Yes. <laughs> right? So, um, so I had all those anxieties and different things. So, um, but it was, a, it was about a nine day trip and, wow. um, we went over and it was, I mean, the, the, the guide that, that was there with us on the whole trip, Hen, who is this, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, was a non-religious Jew. He oh. would consider himself like he culturally identifies as Jewish. Mm-hmm. He is a citizen of Israel. Mm-hmm but he's not like he doesn't believe in the Jewish understanding of religion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever, like that's, it seems like an obvious option, but it like, it was mind blowing to me at the time that like, here's a way to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. That is not what I thought about. Right. Yeah. Um, and I met all of these people who were inc- incredible between the ages of 27 and 32 from all these different walks of life mm-hmm. and at all these different stages in their life. Some had families, some were single, some were there with the siblings. Some, it was like all, the, it was a huge hodgepodge mm-hmm. and everybody came from a, from a totally different perspective. Um, 
maybe the best part about the trip, and this happens on all birthright trips, mm-hmm. is that um, the the program uh, it doesn't just bring over the thirty six or seven Americans oh, wow. um, on the trip with your guide, but they also bring on six or seven Israelis who are of that same age. Mm-hmm. Again, all different walks of life, um, who just go on the trip with you. Like they're just there mm-hmm. and you get to know them just like you get to know any of the Americans on the trip. Right. Um, and my time spent with each of them were some of the most uh, memorable conversations that I had because I learned so much about their perspective, um, all of which were different. Their opinions were all different sure. and all of them, you know, were Jewish in a totally different way, you know, mm-hmm. and I just didn't, I, for some reason, it did not click with me. It did not, I did not realize how many different ways there were to be Jewish mm-hmm. and how okay that is, you That's, know? Yeah. So, um, and we saw lots of different things. You know, we went up uh, to the north and to the Golan Heights, um, which you hear a lot about in the news, with yeah. President Trump and all of the things that he is doing. Let's mm-hmm. not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't but, we? <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, but going up there and, and literally seeing the border there, you yeah, know, and yeah. seeing the fence and the seeing how they're, you know, the country is surrounded mm-hmm. and, and, you know, feeling what it must feel like to be in a country that small, essentially surrounded by countries that, you know, empirically don't want it to exist at all right. on some level sure. and how that, that frames the decision-making for everything that you choose to believe in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, it was, it was a different, a totally different perspective. You know, Tel Aviv, you could pick that city up and drop it anywhere. It might as well be Miami with the beach. And really? I mean, it's beautiful. The weather is wow. awesome. Uh-huh. Like, and then of course, like a two hour drive inland and you're in the desert, like literal desert, right? You could ride a camel like we did. Wow. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's just so many, so many different, so many different things. But, um, I mean, I had just, it was, it was, it was, it was really life-changing and to any Jewish person out there, I just have to say it because I've been the, the handful of Jewish um, people that I know in my network in, in the Austin area of which there are not many, um, you know, religiously affiliated or just not someone who just maybe has a mom who's Jewish or a dad that's Jewish or a grandparent that's Jewish. Mm -hmm. Go find a way to go on this trip. I promise you it will, it will change your perspective forever. It is worth the time. You have to do it. Wow, that, I was that, so be- right I was so behind on my writing when I got back. <laughs> <laughs> I regret nothing. Well, like, that that's got to be inspiring, and not only creatively, but inspiring spiritually and and emotionally, and just everything. So, in a lot of ways, you were filling up your tank. At, totally. I mean, I came back with so many different things that I wanted to do mm-hmm. with my music, you know, not in, not in marching band necessarily, but, you know, in the concert band idiom, if mm-hmm. I, if, if someday I can ever grow into that more, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there, there are so many things that I want to try to do that are connected to what I experienced on that trip, um, for others, you know, to try to impact and influence others because of what I experienced, you know? Wow. Yeah. What was, uh, not to make light, but what was the food like over there? <laughs> it was real, it was really good. Yeah. Oh, there we <laughs> I'm go. not even sure. I'm not even sure if I could like accurately <laughs> name a lot of the things right. that I ate just cause it's all in Hebrew. Right. So, right. Yeah, of course. Uh, oh, that was another thing. Um, you, you came back learning 
Hebrew? You're fluent? In <laughs> no, no. Although I did have this incredible, one of my former students at Cedar Park mm-hmm. um, is uh, actually moved to the States from Israel. Oh, wow. And she made this incredible by hand, you know, like uh, sort of dictionary. Oh, okay. Just was like, here's, you know, here's the Hebrew. Oh here's the transliteration. Here's what it means. Here's how you like really use it. Like if you're going to actually talk to someone, yeah. they're not going to look at you like you have three heads. Like that was so helpful. But Anyway, I'm getting away from what I was going to say. <laughs> no, um, you know, with Hebrew, it's, you know, when you go to, to service, a religious service, you're, you know, a lot of it's in Hebrew. Okay. And you don't understand what you're saying. Sure. What you were saying. You, but it feels this is very, like, this very dead language. Probably a lot like, you know, in a Catholic service when you say or do things in Latin. Latin yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. what was so cool is that, like, you pick up a newspaper over there, it's in Hebrew. Like, people are talking right. in Hebrew the same way that we would be talking. There's somebody doing a podcast, or many, right now in Israel in Hebrew. And just, again, there, there's a really obvious, seemingly culturally insensitive thing for me to say that like, oh, it's, there's this language exists and people speak it. But right. when yeah. you're only used to it being this sort of almost dead feeling, yeah. you know, old thing, and then you go to Israel and you are sitting with two Israelis who are so cool and mm-hmm. so different, and they're interacting in Hebrew the same way you and I are interacting in English. Again, it, what an obvious thing to say. <laughs> what yeah. A, yeah, of well, of course that's what it is. But to experience that, that it's not this mm-hmm. dead thing, that it's alive. You know, yeah. That was, that was really cool. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. Mean, I didn't know about it. I, I'm not Jewish. And I learned about it when you're like, hey, I'm going to Israel and on Facebook posting about it. So people, I had a lot of interesting reactions to that too, because all we hear about is how, is, is all the things we hear about on the news. You Correct. Know, everything is colored through the lenses of, you know, U.S. domestic politics. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and there's, and there's a lot of different perspectives on on all of the, the decisions that the state government of Israel makes in you know association with the countries around it and right. all of that. Right. Um, but I never, I mean, when I was there, I felt safe the whole time. I sure. never had any issues. You know, I every, it was like everything was great. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so much to that country that I, I think it's I think it's it's unfortunate, probably not just for Israel, but I imagine with a lot of countries out there where we see them only through the lens presented through the American media, mm-hmm. um, where there's almost this fear factor, yeah. this isolationism that, you know, I think that if more people found ways to travel and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. took the risk of seeing the world, yeah. they might find that it's not quite as different as they might think. Oh, well, fear sells. You know how that goes. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> Speaking of fear, no. Um, <laughs> in your career as a teacher, as a leadership guru, as an arranger, whatever you want to do, what are some of the mistakes that you made coming up? Oh, God. And, and we could do a podcast just we on could. this. We should. We should um, just call it, I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I remember very distinctly, you know, in high school, um, Thinking you get you reach that stage of your life where you feel like you've got things figured out. Yes, I think that smart people realize quickly if whenever whatever age they get to that yeah. that to reach that perspective, then then you start to see the things that that you don't have figured out, and yeah. it's just this long process as you get smarter of, of just realizing the the more you know, the more you don't know. Correct. <laughs> so yeah, you're exactly. just I'm, I'm, we're all on that train, right? But mm-hmm. I remember specifically thinking in early high school that like I I have this figured out. <laughs> I have the world figured out. Yeah, um, of course. I'm embarrassed to say that, yeah. but um, you know, so so you move through in college and whatever, and I you know I get to Cedar Park and I'm so excited, you know, and 
Uh, I certainly didn't think I knew everything. By no means did I think that. But I was very much in a place of learning and trying to evaluate and make sense of all of these things that I was experiencing for the first time. Specifically Texas Band, because I didn't grow up in Texas. Everything about it was new. A lot of the information was different than the information mm -hmm. that I had heard. You know, and I had the privilege of working with uh, Steve Wessels for all nine years at Cedar Park. And Steve is like a second father to me. I love that man like a father. He is incredible. And few people affect more change in a, in a, in a band, in a, in a wind ensemble, and in, in the ways a, a, a wind section sounds than Steve Wessels. Mm. That guy is a miracle worker. I still <laughs> don't know how he does it. Uh, I've learned, I've, I have learned and continue to use so much that I do is come directly from what he has taught me. Mm -hmm. um, but in the beginning, that first year or two, I didn't think that he was very good. Mm. I didn't think that he was very good. And I, and, and it very quite simply, I could not hear what mm. was getting better about what he was doing. Hmm. And as a result of me not being able to hear it, I didn't believe that it was real. You wow. know, I only heard the things that I heard, the yeah. only things. And I was not, I didn't, I wasn't able to like consider the perspective that maybe I just don't hear it or maybe I'm just not aware of it yet. Right. You know, or like, I just, mm -hmm. I couldn't make sense of that. Um, and Steve love him, love him like a father, but like <laughs> sometimes he's not the clearest person in the world, <laughs> you know? So, you know, he couldn't explain it to me. I couldn't hear it. Right. And as a result, like, I just, like, I didn't, I didn't like, th there were little things that I said and did in this first year or two mm -hmm. or two and a half years that I just didn't feel good about. And I I'll never forget, like in that third year, like there being moments through the middle of that year where I started to experience actual awareness of things getting better. And I started to hear it and mm -hmm. notice it. And it was this sort of light bulb that went off that was sort of like, like, have I been just missing this? Yeah. I think I've just been missing this for mm -hmm. so far. And I immediately started to just like, I'm going to shut my mouth way more. <laughs> I'm just going to try. I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to really just assume that like, if I, if, if I don't understand it, it's not because it's not real or right. I just really don't understand it yet. And I'm mm -hmm. going to continue to try and look that through that lens. I began to become more aware, not just of the brilliance of Steve Wessels, mm -hmm. but many other people in my life who are brilliant at what they do, but maybe their perspective, they just come at it from a different angle than, sure. than I do, or they mm -hmm. maybe they're what they prioritize as important is different than what I prioritize. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was, that was different. That was really different for me, you know? So I, I consider that a huge mistake. I feel embarrassed to this day about, about the way that I reacted mm -hmm. to things that I couldn't understand early on in my career. And it's a huge goal of mine just in general to try to be as open-minded as possible, mm -hmm. you know, when people have a different perspective or they have a different way of looking at it, there's probably a, a reason and there's something to learn from that, you know? Sure. Wow, so. that's great. You experienced that in your early 20s and I didn't come to that realization until my mid-30s, so. <laughs> Every, you know, everyone in their own time. At, everyone least, at, least, I've, at least I've realized it, right? <laughs> it could be worse. You'd be like, no, that's awful. That's all. Well, you mentioned this, but, and this is one of my questions. There is a point as an artist, as a teacher, as a creator, whatever, when we realize that we are in fact good at something or we know what we're doing, what was that moment for you, not the high school moment you're talking about, but when you realize like, yeah, I do know how to dot, dot, dot. Like what was that moment? When was that moment for you? As a teacher? As sure. A teacher, as an arranger, maybe, maybe you, at what point did you go, you know what? I'm walking out of this band hall forever and I'm just going to be an arranger. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not literally like that. Well, it's, 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 it's odd because it's almost like you probably experienced this too. It's like, there are those moments where you feel like 
I, I think I'm, I think I might know what I'm doing. And then, and then like, <laughs> like 10 seconds later, you're like, Oh, I suck at this God. I'm terrible. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's just, the, that's the constant tug yeah, and pull that for sure. all, all of the time to this day. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to try to do some edits for a band that I'm, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go through the same. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Very next listen. I've changed nothing. No, that's terrible. Yeah. Just change it all. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a, as a teacher, you know, as, as strange as it sounds early on in early on in your career, you know, the competitive recognition, right or wrong, it, it, at least to me, it was important for sure. It was, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. No. Like that having, having a group of well-respected people publicly declare that you did something well mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, it's gratifying. <laughs> is, is, is helpful. It's it dopamine, hel- it, it, hel- it helps you feel like you're doing something right. Correct. You know what I mean, so. Um, and then, and then kind of built on that. So, I mean, there, there was, you know, certain success. I felt like in, in 2011, um, Cedar Park won uh, the first eight championships, second in the school's history, but first I was there, you know, Steve Wessels and Bob Krusty were there. Roland Chavez, Bob was a huge part of what we did there. And I've, I've, I have learned, you know, so much from him, mm-hmm. um, you know, and my, my role was more, uh, less from an ensemble standpoint, more up close and personal with mm-hmm. the kids. Um, and I felt like I did a pretty good job with that and we saw good results from that. So sure. I thought that was when I felt like, okay, when I'm on the field, I think I might know what I'm, I think I might be able to, to do something good here. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we went through the next iteration that's, you know, we went through the next iteration of Cedar Park. So there were some concert band successes and the band started to sound better in, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. different moments. Um, you know, when Cedar Park won the next state championship in 2015, it was a really different makeup in the school. Jason Robb was a part of the staff and mm-hmm. we were collaborating in a very different way than we had four years prior. Yep. Um, and I was more in the role of sort of the coordinator of the project, just trying to get all of the elements working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I felt like, okay, I, I think I can, I have, I have the ability to coordinate people. Mm-hmm. I can get people to work together in some way and, you know, make an ensemble play together in some way. And, you know, right. you know, that, that kind of, that kind of thing. And I would say with, as, as, as an arranger, it's more comes in, in moments like, you write all this music. Maybe you experience this as well. You write all this music. Um, and then in the fall, you get to hear some of the performance. Yeah. And there are things that when you hear it within this, in, in one eight minute show, <laughs> there's a bunch of times you're like, I maybe should have made a different choice there. Right. And then there are also those moments where it's like, yes, yeah. I nailed that. That of was course. awesome. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and, and you have that kind of back and, and, yeah. and forth, you know? So I guess that, that that's sort of kind of how I feel about it. One hundred percent agree with that last statement because the the issue for me is, yeah, you know, we grow as musicians and composers and arrangers or whatever. So when we write a show in March, that's where we are, and then we go see the band in September, and we've changed completely. We've learned some new tricks. We're inspired, and we hear it like, oh God, that really why? wasn't good, or why, why did, did I, I do, do that? that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's but that's who you were at that moment when you wrote that music, right? right? And and then you don't know how the drill's going to come out. And you don't know what the weather's going to be. And maybe the hot shot. Like, there's so many factors that change yeah. in the six months. Literally, that changes from the delivery of music to when you hear it. So, yeah, that's got to be for you and I know for me. And probably for any creator, you're just like, oh, oh, that's right. I had Red Bull that night. That's why I did that, right? <laughs> or, oh, that's when the Spurs lost in the playoffs. And I was just was angry. So I, I was lots angry. of tritones yeah, and yeah. things. Tritones. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you mentioned this, but I, I want to ask specifically. So how do you feel, and this, this is a ranger, when something that you work on succeeds? And we can, you can, let, let's put it competitive success, all right? Yes, yes, the B-flat major chord worked or whatever. But I'm talking <laughs> about this past weekend, you hear that two of your programs make finals at the Austin Regional, which 
I would say is the second hardest regional in the country behind the San Antonio regional. And that's right. Grand nationals is like number three, but how does it feel <laughs> like you hear that and you're like, Evan Van Doren, you are, you've succeeded this weekend. How's that make you feel? I mean, Not to be too unoriginal here, but it feels great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like it, sure. it feels great um, to have contributed to that. Yeah. Um, in moments like that, like I feel grateful to have had the opportunity to contribute to something like that mm-hmm. and to be a, a, a part of it on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of that success has not come from me. Like, right. I, I, I feel good that I have started that organization and that group of teachers and kids with something, some foundation that's going to lead them on the right path. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, mm-hmm. 98% of the reason why they made it there is because of the all the designers and mm-hmm. more importantly, the work that the band directors and the students are doing. I mean, it, it's, you know... It's great when there's a great product, but ultimately the band directors and the kids that, you know, they have to perform well and they have to teach at a high level. And when they do, and I get to be a small part of that, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it just makes me feel grateful, you know, and it makes me, it makes me feel, uh, I, I feel proud to just have kind of helped lay a foundation, you know, just to help start them out on that, on that path. It just, it feels good. There's just this idea that if you hire the greatest designers in the world, your show is automatically going to be amazing and you're going to win state. They got to no. play in March well. Like that's at the end of the day, right. that's what you got to do. And certainly, the design the design has a can have a big influence yeah, on for that. sure. But you know, if you go and you look at the best band programs, and I'll just talk about this state because uh, I will unabashedly say that this has the state has the best bands in the country. I would agree with you. Um, so, um, but when you look at these band programs, I mean, like they have great designers, mm-hmm. but um, it's not like those designers aren't just like. They're not, it's not over the course of nine months, they're like collaborating and adjusting and tweaking and just like, like investing and looking at videos on their own and like, yeah. and sending the band director like, Hey, do this, do this, do yeah, this, do this. No. Like that doesn't really happen nope. for the most part. It's the band directors who drive the process mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they look at it through all of the different angles and lenses, the performance side and the design side, and they take the feedback and they utilize the experience of the designers mm-hmm, to execute mm-hmm the best possible vision for the band program. And when they're active, when they're an active part of that process and they've created an environment where there's good communication between all those parties and they can really use every one of the team's best selves Mm -hmm. to contribute to that product, both designers and teachers. Yes. That's when the magic happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've experienced this so many times, not so many, I say like that happens a whole lot, but I've had band directors when they've decided to quote unquote move in a different direction, tell me, well, the show we played at the end of the year isn't the show you gave us at the beginning. And my answer is like, good. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. When you do a piece on stage, you don't just go play the dynamics. Like you shape it. Sometimes you, you rewrite some parts and there's, that's just the way you have to do it. There's no, like, here's your band show in a box. You're going to win. Like you have to do things. Things change, uh, drill, kids you know just whatever you get a flood like that my, my own brother who is I've, been, I've known my whole life right um god he changes stuff all the time and in fact we were talking the other day and he goes hey did you know we added like a tuba baseline to what you wrote and i go i had no idea and he goes yeah we just did it and, it and it worked and and that's what you have to do right that's an understanding of the design team the understanding of the kids which we don't understand unless we are directly working with them even if they are are like the program right down the street. We don't know the kids the way the directors do. So they're going to make changes. They're going to make edits. And you're right. That's when the true magic happens of going from good to great or great to amazing. Look at an NFL team. Like, Mm -hmm. like they, like there is a strategy 
the, before any preseason games are played, they look at their roster. They continue to make, you know, they, they have their, ro- well, that's even another layer to this, but, you know, they have their roster, they have their playbook. Yeah. They have a basic, you know, philosophy behind what they're going to do. If they never changed players and they, you know, they, they never like, you know, people mm-hmm. go on injury reserve, all these, all this changing and trading and stuff. They, they, yeah. they never did that. And they never changed you know, the playbook at all. It was always the exact same playbook. Um, if in three games, everyone have them figured out, they would have lose a third to a quarter, you know, of their players to injury, and mm-hmm. th- they would never win again. Right? You know, it's evolving. You know, they're yeah. they're constantly developing their roles, and you know, they're changing plays and tweaking things, and and being creative, and and and, and you know, mm-hmm. to try to achieve the best result. And I, I would be willing to bet. I don't know that I could speak to any more analogies than that, but I suspect that if you were to look around, not just in competitive environments, but just in general at successful things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there is a layer of malleability to what is happening and collaboration to utilize people's strengths that allows things to be at their mm-hmm. best. You know, there so has to be, there you would think, be. I mean, I, I mean the phrase two heads are better than one is not like a, a, a thing for no reason. Cliché's a cliche for a reason. Now you mentioned NFL teams and no, we're not going to talk about the Eagles again, but what we're going to talk about is fantasy football. You brought oh, it up. This God. is a good segue, Evan. You know, you, 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 you trade players, you move them around. Now yes. for those of us who don't follow you on Facebook or who are not in the same league or who maybe didn't beat you for the uh, championship last year in fantasy football, God how bless. are your teams doing this year? Uh, not good. <laughs> not good. Colin, not doing good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bold and, I'm, and I'm trying, I am trying so hard Daniel, right. and it's just not worked out. I mean, I've got, I've got two, I've, I'm in two leagues You are, and, and both of them are not going well. I, I think, aren't you 500 in our league? Did I you, think, I think now I am. Now you I'm are. I'm on a two, I'm on a two game win, two game, two win, game win, streak. win streak. Thank you, Paul Pape and Martin Montoya. Oh my gosh. Appreciate it. Yeah. Blessings. Bringing up the rear um, over there. Thank, so, so, so thank God mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, it just, it's not gone. Oh, it's no. not, not been a good start oh. for me. Now, um, is your other league that you're cheating on me with, is it a Carolina Crown League? Or it is. It? It's a Crown League, yeah. So are they yeah. kicking you out after this They year chose not to. I was very grateful wow. that my friends on the brass visual team at Crown But this is it. This is not it, Not right. to kick You're Katie getting kicked out. out. Now, if the Vanguard beat the Crown, you're pretty much out of this league. Right? I, I guess time will tell. We'll, well, we'll see what kind on of friends they fronts. really are, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's true. We got it. They're, they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> so let's go back now. You had a program this weekend, make finals at the regional. This very same program did not make finals last year at San Antonio. And I won't mention it by name, but if you figure it out, you know. How does that make you feel when something you work on, quote unquote, fails or doesn't succeed as, as, as much as you would like or as much as they had in the past? It's the most terrifying, it's the most terrifying thought in the world to think, what if? Mm-hmm. Like, what if, you know, you experience a failure and you think, what if I had mm-hmm. done whatever? What if I had written this differently? Sure. What if I had picked up the phone and made a phone call more? What if I had been more present? What yeah. if I had chosen to give in more of myself? What if, what if, what if, what if? Yeah, of course. Um, and that, that is just a, it's an awful feeling to, to be, to be honest. It, it is, it, it might be the feeling, the, the fear of failure, you know, mm-hmm. of that experience of, of that, you know, is, is it could, maybe it's, it is the thing that is the most motivating for me competitively. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, it's, and, and, and certainly you feel, when you feel that sense of failure yourself, it doesn't feel great. No. But when other people are connected to that, yeah, 
that that's where it really stinks for me when you feel like you have not done right by other people. Um, so, you know, I, I, I try to protect myself from that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I try to protect myself from that and very, but, but really just through, through effort, mm-hmm. um, and trying to do right by people yeah. so that, you know, because inevitably, you know, you fail a lot just in general in yep. life. We're going to fail you know, more than we succeed. Probably you, in those, in those moments, you know, I can look myself in the mirror and I can, I can confidently say I did my best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you know, what could, I, there are things that I could have done differently as there always are, mm-hmm. but I did, I did, I did my best. Yeah. You know, and, and there are other factors that we as designers and teachers need to understand is you could say maybe the lead soloist had the flu or, or whoever they played after, or the obvious one is this particular regional for the first time changed the way they were seeding finalists. And it was a completely different thing and it was brand new to everybody. And who knows what would have happened if it was the original way and who knows if it'll happen again. Like there's just right. any number of factors. And I'm sure that if you were to put the drill writer, the choreographer, the percussion person, they're feeling the exact same way of, Oh, I let the band down. Each one of us is like, no, I let the band down. No, I let the band, you know, everyone well, wants it's the sign of a good team. Yeah. Everyone wants know? to say I'm Spartacus, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> For those of you, Spartacus is not just a drum corps show. It's a movie. Yes. Indeed. Yes, where people stand up and say, I am Spartacus, from what I understand. I've never <laughs> seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Besides your family, besides your most things that you would hold dear to your heart, what can't you live without? This is more like materialistic. This is more like, you know what I have to have? Honestly, good food. <laughs> Well, yes. Good food. What's it's good probably, food? You? What's your favorite? I don't foods? know. I mean, I'm not I'm, a Philly cheesesteak. I'm sure. I, I mean, who doesn't like a good Philly cheesesteak? I, I don't know. To me, good food can mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but just the I just I I, I love food. You know, sure. like it. Like, there's not one kind of food that I would limit myself to. But right. I would say every kind of food can be done well and terribly. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty open-minded. Right. You know, okay. Even things that are bad are just like, they're different to me. Oh, that's different. Um, that's interesting. Interesting choice they made. Right? That's interesting. I'll eat this. Um, <laughs> but I just, you know, as a, I just, just a basic concept. I love food. I, I could not, I mean, I logistically could not live without Correct. Food. I think but none good, of us could live without But good food. food, like food that is, you know, almost artistic, like on some mm-hmm, level, mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, feeds your soul, you know, like it's just like, yeah. I just think it's great. And then at, at its highest level, you, you know, you watch like the TV shows, like Chef's Table and things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Like the people that do amazing things with food, like they're just, I mean, it's amazing to yeah. me. Amazing. It's another world. It's like, yeah, it's like a whole nother, it just, uh, yeah, I could go down that rabbit hole forever. Chefs could be literally having a podcast talking about the things people do with music. That just blows my mind. They're talking about <laughs> us, Evan, right now. Yeah. If not banned, Evan, and I use banned in a quotation mark because that means everything that we do. What else would you be doing in life? You know, I love sports statistics. Really? Well, I you do love, love sports. I love sports. Like, like, I would love to be the guy or girl behind the scenes when you're watching an NFL football game mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they pop up a, yeah. a, 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 a statistic where uh-huh. it's like, you know, uh, Peyton Manning, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just through his blah, blah, blah pass, he passes such and such on the, you know, passes to the outside underneath mm-hmm. as they're doing a somersault list. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Right. Somebody's <laughs> figuring that and stuff the, out. The, the science of that is just, and it, it's just fascinating to me. So I, I love the statistics. Uh, uh, not, I mean, it's, it's, it's more, 
that idea is connected closely to my love of underdogs. Right. You know, like I love how statistics, like how that shows you through like the lens of like how an underdog is achieving. Mm -hmm. I like that. So does that mean Dodgeball is your favorite movie? It's it's a tale about underdogs. Average Joes, if you will. I do. I do enjoy that movie. Yes. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. It's very quotable. Um, Besides your father, who are some of your heroes? And inspirations, and your mother. Besides your father, mother, I don't mean to say take away from your. Would mother. it surprise you to know that I was I was anticipating this question? I actually was going to answer my mom and dad. Oh, okay, okay. Go ahead. Let's talk about. <laughs> well, no, well, no. It, it, in, in fairness, your father is different than most fathers in that you are in an activity where your father has been in the activity and is successful and well known. So I will allow you to mention your father and your mother. Go for it. I apologize for stealing your. <laughs> well, thunder. I guess you know the thing that you know. Obviously, my mom and my dad have done incredible things for our family as as a mom and a dad, mm-hmm. right? And raising me and the, the way that they have mentored and all of that and continue to. Um, but, you know, with my dad specifically, with, you know, m- he and I in some ways sharing a profession, mm-hmm. um, it's inspiring to see the way he impacted the people that he taught and continues to teach mm-hmm. and how they continue to impact others and the way the different ways that he cares for those people. Um, and how much that's kind of filled his cup, you know, and continues to, mm-hmm. you know, I really respect that a lot, you know, and I, I, I find value in that as well. When I can help someone, um, that makes me feel really good, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, it's always fun to think about, um, to use a, a well-known sassy, oh. uh, phrase. You never know the true extent of your influence. That's you know? true. You I, know. I, I, I love, you know, you get, you, you go do a band clinic you get in your car, you're driving home. You wonder what's going to stick, what's not. With And not necessarily even just with the band directors, but with the students, mm-hmm. with any college kid that's a tech out there. Mm-hmm. Is there something that I just said or did that somebody's going to remember and it's going to help them later in a way that I could never understand? That's such an interesting and powerful idea to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would also say, too, and I already brought him up, but Steve Wessels is also a personal hero of mine. Mm-hmm. I continue as I experience people in the world and then reflect on the many experiences that I had with him and the choices that he chose to make with me along the way. My understanding of how much he really cares for others continues to grow. And it's little things. It's things like the more I come to understand how difficult the job of headband director is mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. in ways that I'll never truly understand because I've never done that job, but I'm just exposed to more sure. of. Yeah. Um, the more powerful it is to me that there were so many times that when I didn't understand something or I wanted to challenge him on something just asinine, that he would <laughs> stop what he was doing, knowing that it was going to take 30 minutes out of his life with you know his family later on that night, right. turn his chair to me, fold his hands, give me his full and undivided and genuine attention Mm -hmm. and, and genuinely try to receive the thought that I was having and not just try to direct my thoughts, but really like invest in me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, there's, there's no words, you know, there's, there's really not. That's amazing to have three of these types of figures in your life. Um, Some, some barely get one. So yeah, I mean, and yeah, I got, I got, I just got lucky <laughs> straight up. I just got lucky. Good for you. Good for you. What is your first memorable drum corps, marching band, winter guard moment? 
So in 2001, my first year with the Lehigh Valley Knights. The, and now where is Lehigh Valley? So the Lehigh Valley is an area of Pennsylvania near Philadelphia. Okay. It's sort of like a commonly known just kind of is area it? of multiple kind of townships okay. that are sort of suburbs of Philadelphia. Now so, in 2001, that means there were Div 1, Div 2, and Div 3 cores, correct? Sure and was. that was based on size. So is yes. Lehigh Div 3? Yes. Which so means 60 and below? Yeah. Yes, 60 okay. and below. So that was the old, like, Div 60 or whatever they called it. That's exactly okay, right. Okay, so continue. Exactly. So, um, so finals were in Buffalo. New York, yeah. I, at this point, you know, I um, I was super drum corps nerd. Like, I was 14. I don't, you know, I like, don't know how you would I was finally, I was finally in a drum corps. I had been around drum corps forever. I was so excited to be in one. And just to be at DCI finals mm -hmm. in any capacity sure. was the cool. Just to be in the same town as where the stadium was yeah. was the coolest thing of all time. Mm -hmm. um, so, and uh, they had an opening ceremonies back then. Oh. And at opening ceremonies, they brought in a guest conductor. And all of the drum corps of all divisions filtered into the stadium, mm -hmm. were on the field somewhere or in the stands. Wow. And everyone played the thing that, that you played at retreats through. Well, because back at that time, retreat was a thing yeah, every was, night. Yep. And um, it was the America O Canada arrangement, That's right. right? Yes. So, uh -huh. um, and uh, so, so, so I'm surrounded by just like, oh, here's the Blue Devils, and mm -hmm. here's the Santa Clara Band. These just these these people that are just like, <laughs> like they're, I mean, they're they're kids, but they like to, at the time it was yeah. like these are, they they're gods. These are just like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm just in the presence of celebrity, just surrounded right. by it. Yeah, the you eyes were just glistening, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. And we get in the stadium, and I'm all excited, and blah blah blah. You know, we're gonna play. It's gonna be the coolest thing. I, I, this is the best moment of my life so far. And up walks onto the conducting zone, whatever it was, podium or whatever. Um, this really frail-looking man, like like mm -hmm. old, like really old. Yeah, he had like long hair, and it was like, like like this guy seems really weird. And then we put our horns up, and he started to conduct, and like I couldn't, like I could barely read his pattern. I was like, what, <laughs> like this, like what is this not drum major old man doing? conducting like like i was almost offended like why <laughs> like wh like what like i didn't i didn't i i, I didn't know who it was and what, whatever yeah. you know so that was kind of a letdown but it was cool to play with 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 everybody everybody there so right, right. um and i came to find out later later in my life yeah. I, even, I think i learned this at the time but i came to find out later in my life that was frederick Fennell. Yep. <laughs> that was frederick Fennell. wow Talking about mistakes, huh? Yeah. Like, like, how could there be a, like what I talked about with how I didn't understand why Steve Wessels was good. Like there it is early, early in my life. Like here's like one of the greatest men that's ever lived in yeah. our profession. Yeah. And I was like, who is this old guy? He can't even conduct. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I could do better and I'm 14. Oh my God. Yeah. So that, but that is a, that is, that is a, one of the more, um, more clear early memories for me of drum corps. Wow. That. I don't know. That I also, Who can beat that? I, I, I also remember in 2002, after my second year at the Lehigh Valley Knights oh, finals, yes. we're in Madison. You were a veteran. Uh -huh. I was a veteran. That's yes. Right. Um, I had second year syndrome real bad. Um, <laughs> and at the time I was thinking, okay, this has been great. Mm -hmm. um, I think it might be time for me to maybe explore mm -hmm. going to a, a different drum corps, maybe someone that's bigger. And sometimes just going to, you know, I'm sure. getting older. I'm going to try to maybe do something different. Mm -hmm. Um, so we went and we watched semifinals. We mm -hmm. went all the way up the top and we watched semifinals. Um, 2002. And uh, 
the I don't remember don't remember who came on first, but I, I watched the Madison Scouts come on the field, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was not a good year for them. They were like seventeenth or something like that. They did. It was that was con. the year that they did not make finals for the first time, correct? Yes, because it was in Madison. That yes. was a sucker punch. Of sucker yes. punches right there. And I was like, I don't know a lot, but I know this is bad, and I'm oh. not. I'm not. I, I I know. I don't know where I'm gonna march, but I know one thing: it ain't gonna be there. Oh my god. And then Crown came on after them, and I was like, I, I couldn't march there either. There's no way that's that's not gonna happen. Was that their that's gods and heroes? Yes. That, that was the first, that was the only time they didn't make finals in their run, right, or something like that. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Turns out those were the only two organizations that I marched Crown, and then I worked for Crown in Madison for almost all of my right. drum corps professional life up until now, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting how that worked out because I very vividly was like. And, you know, imagine the same kid that was like, who's this old guy, Fred Fennell? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, I was like, well, I ain't going there. Wow. And I ain't going there. Right. And that's where I went. So, Man. You never just, say never. You've made a lot of mistakes in your life, <laughs> What is your favorite drum and or bugle core show of oh, all time? Oh, I can't choose that. Yeah, you can. No, it's not. I don't, pick I mean, one you didn't march. How about that? <laughs> or just pick one of the Lehigh Valley Night shows. Um, God, I mean, to, there's so many that are that, today. I mean, what is, what is like, pick one of the modern era, right? Like the, the ones that the era. kids all know with B flat horns and electronics and whatever, you know, the unreal version of drum core, according to the, the planet. I mean, some of the ones in the last 10 years that sure. I, that I have really, really appreciated, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll always remember that crown 2012 show of which I was not a part of. Um, I was at the scouts that year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, I, th- I mean, I, quite frankly, I thought Leon may and Michael clash were just off their rockers. Like cause they, cause they, cause what they asked those kids to do yeah, right. was in crazy. And then they did it mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that just from an intensity level, that drum core was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sticks in my mind. Sure. Um, I've always loved, you know, uh, what Scott and, and Michael and Andy did with the Mad World show in 2010 okay. uh, with Cavaliers. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, to me, that show is, it's just, a, it's kind of a master class in like effective concept design mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because of the way that they chose to handle it. And I have some first person memories of that summer of which I was on the road with Crown mm-hmm. where that product to me did not start off very strong. No, it did not. And then over the course of the year, like there were just so many impressive and smart adjustments that may, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, we're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was such a smart product. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the uh, Fellini-esque Blue Devil show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that one even took me a year or two to like really appreciate, but mm-hmm. it was so well crafted yeah. um, from a aesthetic standpoint and a coordination standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean that was just sort of a smattering of different of things. Of course, but, and then yes. of course, like historically, you have the ones that changed drum corps history. You get your '83 Cadets and your '93 Star, yep. and you might also say '93 Cadets. Also, some um, would, some would, <laughs> uh, you know, 2000 early 2000s Cavaliers. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. like there's mm-hmm. those there's those there's yeah. those drum corps that changed the course of history, and I'm I'm leaving some out, but you know. correct. Yeah, and I think most recently. I think you could argue that uh, Blue Coats Downside Up is one of those shows that yes. altered the visual landscape of marching band and drum corps because who wears regular uniforms anymore? Uh, nobody. Nobody. Wow. <laughs> Almost nobody. <laughs> yeah, it's wild walking around in deep drum corps lots and you've got no idea who anybody exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah, and some of the last holdouts kind of changed a little bit. You yeah. Know? So that's just how it goes. Yeah. In one word, Evan, describe your arranging style. Just one word. You can hyphenate it if you need to, but 
<laughs> well, I don't know if this is maybe the one word, but I would certainly. Uh, this is probably the first word. Okay, first words um, work. Prob- probably clear. Clear. Clear would be the the word I would use to describe. That's that is a very clear, clear word. Clear. You know, um, that's important to me. Yeah. You know, clarity. The, yes. the clarity of what's written, how it's going to be performed, mm-hmm. um, the mm-hmm. clarity of the musical intent that the elements that are written work together mm-hmm. to produce a clear idea. That will then clearly translate to the field, you know. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, I would say clear. That's a good word. That's a really good word. Thank you for that word. You've inter- You're you've very invented- welcome for that I, word. We are all here when Evan Van Dorn invented the word clear. <laughs> no, I, I most certainly did not. <laughs> I think so. I think so. What is next for Evan Van Dorn? Like, we are currently recording October 2nd, 2019, the year of our Lord. Um, we're, we're all heavily in fixing marching band show modes in design modes for drum corps. Like what, what is your next project? What's, what's about to happen for you? Uh, well, obviously Vanguard's huge. You know, we've already gotten started with that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, and spending... you're going to reveal the 2020 Vanguard production on this podcast. Thank you, Evan. Let's, let's hear it. I'll, I'll just share it with you, Daniel, if you know, oh, and maybe you can just, I'm going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to bleep this out. Okay. Leave it in, but just leave it. I'm going to, so, I'm going to cut it right the here. Van, the Van, <laughs> the Vanguard show is... Oh my God, Evan! I wish that so. I could. So keep that to yourself. I, um, I don't know. I'm very. I wish I could get up and run around right now. That sounds <laughs> so clear. It's going to be pretty spectacular. Pretty clear. So anyway, oh my gosh! Yeah, I think it will be pretty clear when it's all said and done. But um, I, so obviously I have the Vanguard thing. You yes, know, I, I'm, I'm so I'm, excited for uh, you know developing that and mm-hmm. working on that already. Um, so, so the Vanguard, so, so the Vanguard next. thing's huge on my mind. Obviously, you know, I'm trying. You know, we're in a time of the competitive season where a lot of band programs have just gotten their first sets of feedback from mm-hmm. adjudicators. Mm-hmm. So some of those groups are now, you know, I'm in have conversations with, you know, helping them make uh, intelligent adjustments to what they have to try to maximize what they have for the next four weeks. Mm-hmm. That's sort, mm-hmm. sort of that. Um, and I spend, I, I use, I go to one or sometimes two rehearsals every day of people that are mostly in the Austin area that are my clients that I'm mm-hmm. trying to help. Um, or sometimes I go to Vanderhoof and I chase, you know, tubas around in the field or whatever, just to try to help, you know, they set eyes there for, my yeah, for sure. Awesome wife and they're cool. They're a great <laughs> team. Um, and I have a couple concert band things coming up. You know, I'm, I'm connected with, uh, Robert W. Smith, who's a, uh, you know, a close family friend. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. has uh, allowed me to have some opportunities with his publishing company, oh, wow. um, to do some different things. So mm-hmm. I have a couple projects, um, you know, with kind of great lower grade, grade two, grade three, uh, sure. arrangements that I'm starting to mess around with. Um, cool project transcription project coming up to be revealed at a later time. <laughs> oh my it's going to be exciting. Um, so, and then of course, kind of, you know, as I'm sure you are as well, getting ready for the end of the marching season from a sort of... Is there really an end to the marching no, season? No, there's not. But from, a, from I guess, a, the, the cycle begins again. Correct, anew, yes. That's right. You know, just starting, just getting organized with that and trying to, you know, you know what, you know, changes, you know, the way, just how you want to organize yourself in different approaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sort of nerd out sometimes about sort of the business logistical side of the being the solopreneur right thing so which is pretty, cool that's good you I know like so good for you anyway so, so so that's sort of my world right now and you know trying to be a supportive husband to mm-hmm. an awesome band director or wife that has a crazy job and a good dog dad and that's very important yeah. yes employee uh, uh employee of the month for van doren music uh, undisputed like undisputed, just undefeated really undefeated impressive very impressive to say the least yeah we could all aspire to be like cooper van doren 
couldn't we though? I think, yeah, we all could. Um, is there anything you want to plug, Evan? If this was a, a celebrity talk show, you would talk about a movie that's dropping this weekend or a new book or your album called My Album is Dropping This Week is actually <laughs> dropping this week. Uh, what do you want to plug? Website, social media, uh, oh, merch line, Lord. apparel? I mean, I... Vanguard? Plug, plug. Well, I guess if I do get to plug something... Plug whatever you want, Evan. Um, I have just... Millions of people are listening I, to this. <laughs> you know, one of, I, the, one of the big reasons why I you know, decided that I wanted to have this lifestyle that I have now um, as an arranger, as a freelancer. It's really, really two things. Um, I love creating music. I love that. The act of doing that, the process of talking about it with other people, the collaboration of that, I love that. The other thing that I love to do is I love helping band directors just do better and teach better mm -hmm. and all that. So, and I am continuing to try to explore effective ways that I can do that um, in a timely fashion, in a, in a fashion that does not require, you know, like a lot of cost or money. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I just, I just have gotten some things going on my website, vandoran-music.com. Um, where I can maybe do some things through, you know, you know, video clinics live or, mm -hmm. or virtual clinics where I can maybe try to give feedback in different ways to different people, wherever you are on your own time, you know, without something that, because band directors have no time and, and, and it shouldn't be devoted to something other than really the limited time you have should be devoted to teaching the students. So, right. Yeah. You know, I'm excited about, you know, having a way to just help more people mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. honest with you. So that that's, that's exciting for me. And, you know, if, if you're out there and you're listening and you need help, you know, go to my website, um, reach out to me. You know, I, I would love to try to help you teach your kids better. And that website address again is? Van Doren, V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N dash music dot com. I'll probably put that in some sort of description yeah, below right. so people can click on it. Pod notes. Pod if you notes. Will. Is that what they're called? Podcast notes. I, I shortened podcast to pod. You, you know what? Cause... Portmanteaus were my thing, Evan. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on my podcast and like, you know what? I'm taking that from you. You've been usurped. Great. So let's call this podcast usurped. usurped. <laughs> Evan, it has been a pleasure to have you here today. You are an absolute delight. I'm not sure if anyone has ever told you this. And if not, I want to be the first one to say, you're a really nice guy, Evan. Oh, thanks. Have Daniel. people ever told you that? Sometimes. Some. That's Sometimes. so weird. Sometimes. I'm honored. And uh, no, seriously, I, you know, thank you for the opportunity to hang out. And this has been really fun. Yes. You live so far away. So um, far. Not in an Austin uh, area code or zip right. code. Um, Cedar Park, Texas? Leander, Texas? Cedar Park, Texas. Cedar Park, Texas. Home of the fighting Cedar Parks? Uh, the T-Wolves. Explain to me how Get one, how does one put their T-wolves up? Oh, it's, it's, it's it, once you learn, you never forget, <laughs> you know, you take your middle finger and your ring finger, yes, yes. you, you flatten them out and you make them touch each other. Oh yes. Okay? Yeah. And then you bring that down as a flat <laughs> surface and between your first and second knuckle, uh -huh. you make contact with the padded part of your thumb. Oh, from oh, there wow. you extend. Oh, the first finger and pinky finger straight up into uh -huh. the air mm -hmm. such that you're now created the illusion of a snout, if you will. Oh. And ears. Wow. Like a... <gasps> a timber wolf? Timber wolf. And then you just droop slightly <laughs> because it's not like a horned... Right. It's a canine. It's a timber wolf. It's a canine. Right? It's a yes. canine. And then you simply extend that same hand shape straight upward. In the air. To take that timber wolf 
and put it up. Oh my gosh. And that is how you get your T wolves up. At least the first half. The second half of it is more of a it's a mindset. It's, it's a state it's a, of it's mind. Pride. It's a spirit. It's a pride. It's you, a yes. Are your eyes with pride? In in a way. This episode of Sketchbook Podcast is hosted by, edited, and produced by me, Daniel Montoya Jr. in Austin, Texas. Our logo is created by John Suh of Purpose Designs, and our music is provided by Epidemic Sound. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SketchbookPod, and to send us questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns, email us at sketchbookpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, I am Montoya. As overlord, all will kneel, trembling before me, and obey my brutal command and communication. One, two, three. I'll move the mic closer. Yeah, you can move it closer. Uh, You can adjust it however you'd like. Yes, let's do that. However, yes, he's adjusting currently. I know how to adjust. Do you know how to adjust microphones now? More or less. Do you have a degree? Those years of all those years as the jazz band director at Cedar Park High School. See, this is kind of information. (laughs) I might put this. We might put this in somewhere else. Even though it's not part all of, of the my actual. all of my illustrious experience as a jazz band director. We're gonna start with that. We're gonna Evan. <laughs> well, my finest moment as a jazz band director at Cedar Park High School clearly was the Friday before the Eagles won the Super Bowl, <laughs> when it dawned on me that I needed to arrange the Philadelphia Eagles fight song. Yes. And then had them perform it the next day. Under the and I did it under the guise of uh, trying to get them to <laughs> trying to getting them to uh, to do it for Mike Bishop, right? Which, you know my you know, my best friend Mike. He's oh, well, huge, huge huge Eagles fan. So that was the way because they don't those kids didn't like the Eagles. Half no. of them don't like football. Well, but <laughs> if they and if they like the Cowboys, they must not really like. Football. But they did it. They did it for Mike. So and ultimately, I got what I wanted. So that, yeah, that. I think you posted that video, didn't you? And I continue and will continue to I, post. I it. think you should. That's Absolutely. a fine. Tr- tradition yeah yeah your, your coup de gras or coup d'etat one of those i don't and we'll I get to this you. later or maybe by the point we put this in the podcast maybe you have a certain division one drum corps perform that arrangement in an encore <laughs> uh, that would be incredible are there any shows i don't know if i have that kind of i don't area? know if i have that kind of pull yet <laughs> I, I, if only you knew the brass caption hit or the assistant brass caption hit in some intimate if only, way. If only. Yeah. If only. 